Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Max Keane and Jonathan Krause. But before we get into anything today, I have a question. Are you sitting at the new desk right now, Jonathan? I am currently sitting at my desk that I built, yes. Tell us about it. Oh, okay. So, uh, it's got three legs, so it's unstable. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it's, 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 a, it's an L desk. Uh, again, we, we, I guess we could like post a picture on social media or something. I don't know if that really matters that much, but, um, it's, it's an L desk. So it's got three square legs and then a, uh, a hardwood top that I made out of lumber, um, and then stained it and then shellacked it on top. So it's, it looks okay. I guess you could say, uh, definitely not perfect, but I learned a lot building it. it took them forever. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely need to post a picture of that on our social media. It's a beauty of a desk. I am not handy when it comes to woodworking and things like that, but if I could make something like that, I'd be I'd be very satisfied with my skills. Yeah, it's a miracle it turned out as well as it did, honestly. So I'm super happy with it. Definitely suits my needs. Yeah, and you just moved into your new apartment, so it was like a housewarming gift to yourself. Yeah, kind of. Uh, definitely satisfying my own gifts. I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. <laughs> satisfying looking at my desk every day. I will say that. Like, wow, that time and effort was worth it. Yeah. And this week, so usually we ask about our weeks uh, when we get into the podcast. And I, I'll start with my week because I've had a, a pretty good week. And last, actually, yesterday, some amazing things happened. Uh, so recently, I. I've been in the mood to share the gospel with people because uh, we used to do that on Mission Possible all the time. And even when we weren't actively on the trips during the summers, we'd still go out with our our team members and the leaders and stuff at just random Friday nights or whatever. We'd go out to downtown Silver Spring, Maryland and share the gospel with people. And I had been missing that because I haven't found a group to share the gospel with here yet. But yesterday I was actually at a, a cave with my brother. We were We were hiking and we went to this cave and there were some guys in the cave And I just felt like I needed to share the gospel with them. And I was trying to come up with a way to transition because that's one of the hardest parts about sharing the gospel is is finding a way to transition your conversation that you're having with somebody to the gospel naturally without making it seem like you're you're trying to shove it down their throat. And I noticed that one guy was wearing a cross necklace. And so I asked him about his necklace, but he had three other necklaces on at the same time. And so he started telling me about a different necklace. And I was like, oh man, there was my opportunity. I just... I blew my opportunity to share the gospel with this guy. But then uh, another guy mentioned God. He, he was a, a rapper. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to show you some of my raps, guy. And so he was about to rap. But before he rapped, he prayed and apologized to God for the words that he was about to say. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, that's that's weird that he's like, he knows that what he's about to do is not good in God's sight, yet he's still going to do it. So I, I talked to him about that. And I just talked to him about the idea of sin and how we all have sin and Jesus came, he died on the cross to, to take away that sin and that anybody who has repentance um, and believes in Christ who can receive that forgiveness, that, that forgiveness is available to anybody who um, puts their faith in Christ and turns from their sins. So I just shared that gospel with them. And I, I felt really like that was just, it was a good break because I haven't shared the gospel in a long time. And I, I've been looking for opportunities, but I, I can definitely see opportunities that I've missed that I just wasn't bold enough or I, I didn't do it in time, uh, share the gospel when I wanted to or whatever it was. But yesterday was, was the first time in a while that I've felt the calling to share the gospel with somebody and I, God gave me the boldness and the words to do it. So I was, I was really excited that that happened. And I, I hope to find more of those opportunities to share the gospel moving forward. Man, that's awesome. I wish I could say my, my days were as cool as yours. I mean, for me, it's just normal, um, you know, friend shaving his arms, meatball thrown at a wall, playing disc golf, just all these random goofy things. Um, but not quite as cool as sharing the gospel 
as I love doing that. I miss being able to do that. Um, our school is very, you know, want to keep the social distance mask guidelines, don't want to send us home. So we're trying to be extra cautious around, um, around outside and leaving campus and stuff. So this is about as much opportunity as I get at the moment to share the gospel. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, actually, like Christian, I had a pretty cool week in terms of um, faith-related things. Uh, I got to go to a community of believers today. Um, well, we're actually we're recording this podcast a couple days in advance, so it's not actually the day that you're going to hear it. But um, this day that we're recording it, I, I got to go earlier in the day to uh, hang out with a bunch of other believers. And we, we did a worship session, and then we had some Bible study time, and... Uh, it was really like it was so encouraging because I haven't had that in months. I tell you, months um, like like in person fellowship with other believers like that. I mean, of course, we've had virtual church and everything, but that's just it's just not the same. Um, especially the worship, like virtual worship, is it's much more difficult to get into and much more difficult to feel. Like when you when you're in a room of believers and you're all like worshiping and singing. Um, and you're all really getting into it. I mean, you can really feel like the spirit move in the room. Um, and it's like, it's much more difficult to feel that over virtual uh, uh, worship. Not saying that you can't, but it's it's definitely a different vibe. Um, and it was so encouraging to be a part of that today. Uh, but speaking of um, really <laughs> worship and then in general, like, we can get into our topic today. So last week, we um, we started this sort of series of apologetics, um, um, theological evidences for uh, God, the existence of God, and then now this week we're going to be looking into uh, the existence, historical existence of of Jesus and his resurrection, his burial, um, or his death on the cross, his resur- uh, burial, and then resurrection. Godness, I can't, I don't even know the series of events. Um, so yeah, so last week we, we looked into, uh, things like moral law, things like, uh, the natural existence of God, like what points to the existence of God in nature, um, what points to the existence of God in terms of human nature, in terms of the, the law of God that's written on our hearts. Um, and we went through a lot of evidences with that for just the existence of God in general. So this week we're going to be taking, um, a look at the, the existence of Jesus in, uh, historical times. Um, with the thought in mind, so keep in the back, like as we're discussing these things, that last week we've gotten to the point where we know that God exists. So keep that in your, like if you, um, just as we're talking about those things, we're talking from a standpoint that God exists and that the, that, uh, well, we'll get into this in a minute, but essentially like we're going to be talking a lot about the, cause with historical evidence, we weren't there. So we can't, you know, physically say that we saw it with our own eyes, therefore it's true. But we can use a lot of resources and historical documents um, taken by Christians and non-Christians to uh, formulate that Jesus did exist, that he did die on the cross, uh, that he was buried, and that he um, was acclaimed to have resurrected. Uh, but obviously none of this would happen if a God didn't exist in the first place. So I suggest if you haven't listened to it, listen to the last week's podcast because it was super good. Um, and this week we're excited to get into it. Yeah, so like Jonathan said, we're going to be looking at the evidence, the historical evidence for Jesus's life, his crucifixion, and the resurrection. And as we all know, none of the none of it could have happened if Jesus never existed in the first place. So that's that's where you have to start. Anytime you're looking at Jesus and the historical evidence for him, the first place you start is did he exist? Did he even exist or was he just like a work of fiction? Because fiction books are written all the time. So just because he's written in the gospels doesn't mean that he actually existed. Uh, but one of the things, so an art, an argument that a lot of people will make is that the only evidence that we have for Jesus is in the Bible and there's no non-biblical evidence for Jesus. Like no historians wrote, wrote about Jesus or no people at the time, like no government documents talk about Jesus or anything. And they said, well, if he, if he existed and if he was this miracle working, healing, you know, person that people worshiped walking around, don't you think that there'd be some kind of extra biblical evidence for him? Like, don't you think somebody would have been like writing in their journal, like, oh man, this, this guy walked through town and he just started healing people like crazy. Uh, but this claim that people make that there is no non-biblical evidence for Jesus is actually not true 
because two of the most prominent historians during the first century AD were Josephus and Tacitus. And so they both come from different backgrounds. Josephus was a Jewish historian. And yes, Jesus was a Jew, but we also have to remember that during Jesus's life recorded in the gospels, the Jews were his biggest opponents, his biggest enemies. The Jews were the ones who were trying to capture him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were trying to capture him his whole life. And finally, uh, at the end, they're the ones who captured him and they are the ones who crucified him because um, in the Gospels, we know that that Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor, so he was the the secular representative from government. Um, Pontius Pilate was like, I don't really see anything wrong with this guy. Like, why are we killing Jesus? He didn't really do much wrong. He's just healing people and stuff. Uh, but the Jewish leaders were the ones who were adamant. They said, uh, "It like, we'll take the blame. You can blame us for killing him. You can blame us for the, the crucifixion, but we need to crucify him because he's he's blaspheming. He's claiming to be God. And so the Jews did not have, most Jews at the time, did not have a good relationship with Jesus. A lot of them wanted him to be forgotten about. They didn't want him to gain notoriety because they thought that he was essentially a cult leader trying to teach truths that they didn't believe were in their scriptures. And so the fact that Josephus, a Jewish historian, was writing about Jesus and in his historical account, he actually mentions Jesus multiple times. Uh, He talks about the Christians who were followers of Christ. And he doesn't, he doesn't talk about them in a good light. Like he's definitely not a Christian. He was, he had the Jewish bias, but even though he has a Jewish bias, he still mentions Jesus in his, in his history. Uh, And Tacitus, who is the other prominent historian of the time was a Roman historian. So he worked for the government. He was not, uh, he did not have any ties to any religions or anything, but he also wrote about Jesus. He mentioned Jesus in his, his, his historical writings. And so the two most prominent historians of the time, Josephus, who was a a Jewish historian, and Tacitus, who was a Roman historian, a secular historian, they both had independent mentions of Jesus. And so although we have the gospel accounts, a lot of people think that those are biased because Christians wrote them and they could have been exaggerated or uh, fancified. A lot of details could have been added to make Jesus seem greater than he actually was. Uh, But we also have extra biblical sources, and not only that, but extra biblical sources who would have a reason to disclude Jesus. Like if Jesus actually didn't exist and these these gospels were circulating around that time, they would have had reason to go out of their way to to make it clear that Jesus never existed. To say these Christians are claiming to worship Jesus, but Jesus actually never existed. He was just he was just a a figment of their imagination or he was just somebody that's he was a, a person that was made up in the writing of the gospels. So if he never existed and these gospels were spreading around that time, then a lot of the historians would have had reason to go out of their way to clarify that he never existed. But instead, they actually do the opposite. They mention him and talk about the Christians as followers of Christ, um, proving to us that Jesus was actually a real person and that he did exist. And this is a fact that's not really disputed by many, many historians and scholars. Even atheist scholars today will admit that Jesus did exist, uh, but it's it's later steps down the road, like the miracle working and the crucifixion and the resurrection, that's when they start to take issue with what's written in the Gospels. But we'll address that later in the show as well. Okay, so we've gotten to the point where, um, based off non-Christian evidences, non-Christian historical data, that Jesus was a person that existed, not like a random person named Jesus, like the Jesus of the Bible. The fact that this is the the first mentions in any historical evidence where um, Christians following Jesus was mentioned, and it's um, uh, it's mentioned not only by Christian writers, as in the Gospels that we have, uh, which are historical uh, accounts of the life of Jesus, which are backed by multiple, multiple sources. Actually, most atheist or uh, non-Christian believing uh, scholars will also say that the Gospel accounts are accurate as well. Um, they they will bring up the the bias or the exaggeration claims because they're written by Christians. Um, but think about how many historical uh, facts that we take today that are written by people that sympathize with the cause that they wrote the historical evidences on, or the historical or they wrote the historical um, they essentially accounted what happened in that day, and they probably uh, sympathize with that cause. So we we don't have to disregard the Christian accounts, um, the Gospels, because of the fact that they're Christians, um, if anything, they they that even attests to the more to the fact that they uh, are accurate. Um, and also, a lot of times in when you see historical documents or historical resources, 
that are written by people that are biased towards what they're writing about, there comes with that a lot of embellishment or a lot of, uh, Christian mentioned the word uh, fancifying, which is a, a good word for saying that. Because um, often we, we can put expectations on something that we sympathize with and we can think about it a little bit more largely in our minds and, and we can exaggerate things when we write about it. And there are historical accounts out there that have exaggerations in them because the people that wrote them um, were sympathizers with the cause that they were writing about. But often what we see in the Gospels is pure depiction of what the life of Jesus looked like. Um, and even when the disciples... Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but even when, even even when the disciples saw Jesus in his resurrected body, uh, they explain it in a very non-embellished tone, and they explain it in a very like, wow, like this is Jesus standing before me in the same body that I can see, but different, like it's different body, but it's the same Jesus, um, and they explain it in a very in a way that's like, oh, like this doesn't have a tone of embellishment at all, like it's they're just explaining what they saw. So the, the gospel accounts are are really good historical evidences of Jesus. And then we also have these non-Christian accounts uh, by two of which that we were mentioning in this podcast are, are Josephus and uh, Tacitus, uh, who mention Jesus and talk about Jesus and talk about followers of Jesus. Um, so we definitely know that Jesus existed historically uh, based off Christian and non-Christian accounts of his life. So that brings us to the this second question, I guess you could say, is, the first question being, did Jesus even exist? Like, if Jesus didn't exist, then all of this is pointless. Um, so the second question is, well, did Jesus really die on the cross? Because uh, if obviously if he never died on the cross, then um, this again is pointless. So we're kind of what we're kind of doing here is we're taking the the four we're taking four main questions today: the did Jesus exist? Did Jesus die on the cross? Was Jesus buried? And was Jesus resurrected? Um, and we're kind of going through each one of those in an expository way, uh, because what a lot of people try to do is they try to pick one of those and disprove it. Because if it's like a house of cards, uh, like any other religion, if you disprove one thing, you're essentially tearing down the whole thing. Um, and that's, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this in later podcasts, uh, but that's what a lot of Christians use in when they're talking with people of other religions is they try to focus on one thing that is really contradictory in that faith. Uh, for example, like Jehovah's Witnesses, and they'll really just focus on that one thing when they're talking with that person, because if they really show that person um, or that person finally realizes that, that, oh, wow, like this, this does not make sense here. Like there's a discrepancy here. Then that really will start to cave in their entire belief. And Christianity, in my opinion, is the only uh, the faith that doesn't break down, like you can't disprove any of it. Um, but we're going to try to go through these these four main questions of Jesus's life uh, today. And we so we we've gotten to the point that he does exist. We know that he exists. Um, and then there's actually you'll probably find it rare for a scholar to disagree that Jesus existed, um, Christian or non-Christian. Um, and now we're to the point where, OK, well, but did Jesus die on the cross? So. Uh, we're going back to, uh, we can, obviously we have the gospel accounts of this. So we have the historical documents written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and then not only that, but we have references to those, uh, to Jesus dying on the cross by Paul. Um, keep in mind that all of this is really written, um, under a hundred AD. Uh, I think the latest gospel, well, it's, there's disagreements on this, but um, I've heard that one of the latest Gospels written was written by John, which is like 70, 80 AD. So this is within one generation. Um, this is the same people that saw Jesus in real life. Uh, they saw Jesus die on the cross and they've seen the burial, the resurrection. This is the same people. This isn't uh, like after, you know, a certain amount of X generations or hundreds of years, people decided to write down these historical evidences that have been passed down through through families. Um, I mean, even if you look at Islam, the first account of Muhammad is written like 150 years after Muhammad even lived. So the fact that the people that actually lived and breathed and talked with Jesus are writing the first gospel accounts and historical evidences is just shows how accurate the, the Bible really is. Um, so we have the, the gospels referencing Jesus's crucifixion uh, on the cross. And then we also have um, other writings in especially the New Testament, and then not to mention all the prophecies in the Old Testament um, that allude to Jesus dying on the cross. And then we also have people like Josephus and Tacitus, who I believe both mentioned in their historical writings 
that Jesus was um, crucified on the cross. And these are two non-Christian historians, including that as well. Um, we also see evidence uh, to do with Pontius Pilate. We know that Pontius Pilate existed based off non-Christian uh, historical writings. Um, and we can, we have historical evidence based off the fact that, that uh, Pontius Pilate was essentially the Roman official over Jesus's, uh, not the Roman official, but like the, like he gave the okay to the Jews uh, to, to, to crucify Jesus on the cross. Um, so again, Jesus dying on the cross is a, has a lot of evidence behind it, um, Christian and non-Christian. Um, we can track those documents uh, all the way back to right after uh, Jesus's life. So they're historically accurate. Um, if some people, they get, you know, oh, well, uh, the, the Gospels have been translated hundreds of times into hundreds of different languages. So they, they can't possibly be accurate. But that's not necessarily true either. When we transcribe between languages, we can actually see that the trans. Well, again, we have original documents, um, thousands of them, actually, from the original writings. And to say that the translations are inaccurate is also wrong because translations. So uh, I heard Nabil Qureshi kind of sum this up really well. Um, he was talking with Nabil Qureshi, by the way, is a, is a really famous um, guy who was uh, in a part of Islam and then converted to Christianity. Um, and, and sort of what started his journey into questioning Islam and, and starting to learn more about Christianity was when he was talking with his roommate. And his roommate, uh, one of Nabil Qureshi's main objections with, with Christianity was the fact that the accounts of the Gospels that we have now have been translated so many times. And it, it would logically seem like uh, it's possible that the translations could have been corrupted over the fact that there's, it's just been translated so many times in different languages. But then Nabil Qureshi's roommate looked at him and said, Nabil, were you, you were just talking with your mother on the phone a little while ago um, in your own native language. And I asked you what you were talking to your mother about. Did you lie to me when you told me what you, you were talking with your mother about? Did you translate it incorrectly? So this idea that, that the translations can corrupt the meaning of the scriptures is really just kind of a false narrative that people bring up without actually understanding what, what it is behind translations. The fact that the meaning of the scripture would be rather difficult to uh, corrupt, especially because it's being translated so many times in different languages that are accurate. So uh, that's just kind of a, a, a little side note on, on scriptural translations. Um, but based off that, really, now we're to the point where, so Jesus definitely existed. Jesus definitely died on the cross historically with historical evidence. And now we can look at the, the burial just real quick. Um, so there are a lot of theories around that try to disprove Christianity by saying, uh, well, God wasn't really, or Jesus wasn't really uh, uh, resurrected or Jesus wasn't really buried in a tomb, like that can't be correct. Or once Jesus was buried, he was the disciples stole his body to make it look like he was resurrected. And we'll talk about that in a second when we get into the resurrection a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> but we have historical evidences to, um, is it, it's Joseph of the Arimathea, right? Arimathea, I think that's what it is. Yeah. So Joseph of Arimathea, uh, was the man that went to the he was actually a man part of the Sanhedrin and he went to the uh, Pontius Pilate and asked for Jesus's body uh, which first of all is a surprise to Pontius Pilate um, but second of all we have a man who is part of the Sanhedrin so he's part of the the I guess you could say the bad guy organization uh, who really was part of crucifying Jesus um, and he goes and asks for the body so that he can bury it in a tomb that he has, that he, he had bought. Um, and we actually have historical evidence for that, mentioning that um, not only in the Gospels, but also in other references too. But a lot of people say that, oh, like, well, that they could have just made that up. But if you think back to the times of that day, Matthew probably wouldn't have recorded that unless it was true because of the fact that uh, Joseph of Arimathea was part of the Sanhedrin. And 
him bearing Jesus would have been an embarrassment to him and to his name because obviously he wouldn't want to be affiliated with somebody that his crew was just trying to essentially crucify. And Joseph of Arimathea definitely wouldn't have wanted that known. And Matthew probably wouldn't have known it either because of the fact that Joseph of Arimathea would have kept it really quiet. Now, on top of that, we have a bunch of women who know or who knew where Jesus was buried. How do we know that? Well, because in the gospel accounts, it says that as they were going back to the tomb to uh, essentially like put perfume and stuff on Jesus's body or whatever, uh, that it was women going back to do that. So they obviously knew where the tomb was. So we have women accounts of that. And keep in mind, women accounts historically are often not taken to be accurate. Like the, the testimony of a woman is, is historically um, was often discredited. Um, and the fact that the Bible references multiple women uh, having eyewitness accounts is is really like kind of a uh, like Christianity is really the only religion that does that. Like I'm 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 sure a lot of other religions even avoid uh, using woman testimonies, uh, especially historically. Um, obviously, today we have uh, you know much more uh, civil rights and everything. Um, but back then, like women's testimonies were not taken as seriously, and it's really interesting that the Bible stresses. The fact that the women knew where Jesus's body was, uh, the fact that they were going back and they were the first ones to see the tomb empty. So that brings me to kind of like this other point. We can figure out that Jesus was definitely buried. Uh, and by the way, uh, just kind of a side note, we do believe that we found the actual burial of Jesus Christ uh, or his the actual tomb that he was laid in. Obviously, we can't 100% prove it. Um but they, they think they've got a pretty good historical uh, place um, where it was most likely that he was uh, to be buried. Uh, so that's just kind of a cool thing that it, it puts a little, uh, you know, relativity to today's times on it. Um, so uh, Jesus was buried. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of references, especially in scripture and accounts to the fact that uh, the tomb was seen empty. So now a lot of people will say to this is the fact that, well, Jesus' disciples could have stolen the body. Well, now let's unpack that for a second. If we look at Deuteronomy 22, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 21, 22, it says, And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree. You shall bury him in the same day, on the same day. For a hangman is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. So based off this verse, any man hung on a tree is cursed by God. So if you're a disciple and you're following Jesus, who you claim to be your Messiah, and then your Messiah is hung on a tree, hung on the cross, crucified on the cross, and then is killed, essentially. Based off your belief in the Old Testament as a as a Jew, your Messiah is a, is cursed by God. So even if the disciples stole the body, it's highly unlikely that they would even want to consider moving forward with this Christianity faith because of the fact that their Messiah that they believed in was, was cursed by God, essentially, uh, based off this verse in the Old Testament, which they would have believed because they're Jews uh, believing in the Old Testament. So even if it was true the disciples stole the body we can't even get to that fact because of the fact that the disciples would not have wanted to continue this christian faith because their messiah has been killed and not only discredited and is seen as cursed by god based off the the belief of their uh of the old testament which they believe in so this is this is definitely a kind of a, a stretch for people to say that the disciples stole the body because they wouldn't have wanted to do it anyway, based off of uh, the fact that Jesus died on the cross. Um, there are some other ideas out there about the fact that the, the disciples saw, uh, you know, they were seeing illusions or, or you know, mirages or whatever of Jesus. Um, but then again, the likelihood of that happening, it's just, it's just so low. The probability, if you look at it, uh, the fact that all disciples or everyone that Jesus um appeared to was under the influence of seeing the same vision or under some kind of hallucinatory jug, drug, like that's just, that's really far-fetched. Even when you say it out loud, it sounds pretty preposterous. Uh, preposterous. 
I mean, way more preposterous than saying that, that God raised him from the dead. Uh, so it's a lot of the things that people bring up out there are like honestly more far-fetched than the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. So this is just a really interesting, uh, the, the burial and, the, and what people say about, you know, Jesus's disciples stealing the body or whatever. Um, they're definitely not historically accurate. Um, and they don't even make sense to what uh, the disciples believed back in the day. And they actually go against what the disciples believe. So uh, just to kind of put that out there. All right. Now, um, timeline wise, Jesus existed. Jesus was crucified on the cross and he was definitely buried. What's after this? Oh, what's the resurrection? Well, this is kind of where it gets to the point where it's the hardest to historically prove. Um, but we're going to try to do our best here. So when people hear of the resurrection, uh, especially the way that the Gospels portray it, they think to themselves, that's kind of far-fetched. Like, this guy, like, okay, I can believe that Jesus existed. I can believe that Jesus died on a cross and was buried. But as soon as you try to start convincing them that Jesus was raised from the dead, they're, they lose they lose you. They're like, what in the world? This is, just sounds like craziness. Um uh, going back to what I was mentioning earlier in the podcast, the extra biblical references to Jesus and his life. There's also extra biblical references to the miracles that Jesus had performed throughout his life. And this is important to the resurrection because the resurrection is a miracle. And so if we can disprove the miracles that that Jesus was claimed to have performed in the Gospels, then it'd be very easy to disprove the resurrection. Uh, so the Talmud, uh, the Talmud is a, an important collection of civil and ceremonial laws for the Jewish people. And it it's it has a, a section of it that's the history of the Jewish religion. And this, this section, uh, a certain part of this section references Jesus Christ. And it doesn't just reference Jesus Christ as a person like Tacitus and Josephus did, but the Talmud uh, references Jesus as being a sorcerer. Because once again, the Jews were the ones who crucified Jesus. They believed that he was... Um, like a cult leader, they believe that he was trying to take people out of out of um, Judaism and bring him to himself and mislead them, essentially. And so the Talmud, it says that there were two specific things that it says. There was first, there was something interesting about the context surrounding Jesus's birth. And they claim that uh, Jesus was likely born between Mary and a Roman soldier, because as we know, the Gospels claim that it was the virgin birth. And so the per, the author of the Talmud was like, uh, Jesus definitely was not was not fathered by Joseph, who was Mary's uh, betrothed uh, fiance at the time. So he must have been fathered by somebody else. And so they their theory that they use is that he was born of a Roman soldier. But this this um, claim it appears to be it appears to be consistent with what the Bible says because to those who didn't know that Mary was was impregnated by the Holy Spirit um, and was given the life of Jesus was put inside of her by the Holy Spirit, they would try to find some extra um, explanation for what had happened. And believing that that Mary had had an affair with one of the Roman soldiers would have been uh, a reasonable thing to believe and having not knowing or having not known what Mary claimed that God told her that she was going to bear a child, uh, even though she was a virgin. So we know that that even the Talmud, which is not a Christian document, claims that there was something interesting about the context around Jesus's birth. But then also it, it attributes healings and miracles to Jesus. It just claims that Jesus was doing this by sorcery rather than by the, the power of God like he was claiming. So the Talmud is not a Christian document, but it still attributes miracles and healings to Jesus and even, even an interesting um, birth context. They claim that it was it was between Mary and a Roman soldier, but it could have just as easily been exactly what the Gospels say. So having these types of evidence about Jesus's miracles and the miracles surrounding his birth from outside Christian documents uh, really helps us ground the idea that Jesus was uh, more than human, that he he was fully human, but he also had something else that gave him the ability to work those miracles and to, to be born of a virgin. And that, as we Christians believe, is his divine nature. Um, the the fact that he was 100% human and 100% God, uh, that he was both God and man in one. And so, uh, like Jonathan said, we are going to to move on to the resurrection. Uh, but before we do that, I, I had one more thing I wanted to add to the crucifixion. That's that's kind of, it's one thing that a lot of people point to 
as an as a reason that that the crucifixion couldn't have happened. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross uh, in Matthew chapter twenty seven verse forty five, this is is really an outlandish claim. It says, "Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour." And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, and it says that he cries out to God, and then eventually he gives up his spirit. But it essentially says that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, darkness would overland over all the land for three hours. And so even if historians didn't know about Jesus and what was going on, if there was just complete darkness over the world for three hours, this seems like it would have been something that somebody wrote about at some point to to, you know, back up the idea that it actually happened. Because if if the Gospels are claiming that this happened, but nobody else talks about this, then we're we're sitting back like, well, it probably didn't happen if, if the only people who did it were the biased Christians that wrote about Jesus. But it's actually interesting because uh, two more uh, historians at the time, Tertullian and Thallus, both wrote of a worldwide eclipse that occurred in 33 AD. And 33 AD is about the time that we are estimating Jesus was crucified based on the timeline that we have from the Gospels. And it's interesting because they they attribute this darkness to a worldwide eclipse, but it's a worldwide eclipse. Most In most cases, eclipses only happen in certain sections of the world, but these two um, historians claimed that it was because of a worldwide eclipse. Um, and then we later, uh, Julius Africanus came, came by and did the math and worked out that based on the, the solar patterns and everything, in 33 AD, it's impossible that there could have been an eclipse. Uh, the time that they claim this eclipse occurred, there's no way that it would have occurred because we we can use science to go back and to estimate where the solar path would have been and the, the Earth's path in relation to the sun. Julius Africanus did that math and he said, there's no way there would have been a solar eclipse in the year AD 33, especially a worldwide eclipse. And so this is just yet another extra biblical evidence that something in the gospel that seems outlandish is true. And so as we're moving on to the resurrection, this is, it seems the most outlandish of all. It seems the most outlandish of, of any claim that, that we've made today, any claim that we've pointed out in the Gospels. And it's one of the most outlandish claims in all the Bible. But we, looking at the evidence from Christian resources, from non-Christian resources, uh, we can see that it's very likely that, that Christ did die on the cross and resurrect. Uh, he was raised from the dead on the third day. And one of the strongest evidences that we have in favor of this is the apostles that all 12 disciples and then Paul as well, who became an apostle after the death of Christ, they all give up their lives for Christ. They lived, they, they went out and they wrote these gospels and they shared the gospel and they, they told people about what had happened, that they had seen the resurrected Christ. And every single one of them died proclaiming this message. They died because they were proclaiming this message that nobody thought was true. And I don't know about you guys, but me, I would not give up my life for something. Like if I was trying to to lie about something or to tell a story, to try to give myself props or, you know, make myself seem smart or powerful or whatever. And I knew that it wasn't true. And I knew that it had all been a hoax. If I got to the point where somebody was about to kill me because of what I was saying, I would, I would probably not carry through and, and follow through on that. But the fact that every single one of Jesus's disciples and Paul, the apostle, all gave up their lives and many other um, early church leaders and evangelists gave up their lives for on based on the truth that Christ had was risen from the dead. It shows that they really did believe that Christ was risen from the dead. And like like Jonathan said, the the chances that all of them would have been hallucinating Jesus's resurrection at the same time or claim to have, have seen Jesus all in the same place at the same time uh, and it been a hoax is not true because they, they, we know it's not a hoax because they really did believe it, that they gave it, went out and gave their lives for it. And the chances that they would have all been hallucinating at the same time in the same place are very, very unlikely. And so this is just one of the pieces of evidence of, we're going to go into more um, in the, the upcoming minutes, but this is just one piece of evidence that, that the disciples really did believe Jesus has risen from the dead. And that's because as the gospels tell us, they saw the resurrected Christ. Now we've already talked about, sort of evidences for Jesus's life, his death, and his burial. So let's, moving forward, we're going to assume all those are true. So Jesus lived, he died, he was buried. What What about the resurrection? Well, if he were to be buried, then he has to be somewhere, right? 
if if he was buried and the woman went to the tomb and he wasn't there, where'd he go? He's got to be somewhere, right? And Christian already talked about how the disciples, they died for the sake of their, of, you know, seeing Jesus Christ alive. They died for the sake of Jesus's resurrection. And so if you were to have stolen the body and, you know, taken out the guards and rolled away the stone and stolen his body, like that already is a lot to do. But then to continue to live, you're not going to get very far after that. And yeah, they all died. You know, usually if you were to come up with something like that, you would come up with ways to become rich or popular or, you know, something amazing, make a name for yourself. But to die for the sake of another man, you know, resurrecting. But if you were to steal the body and you knew it was fake the whole time, what? It's just mind blowing to think that they would do that. But also, like, another theory that's out there is Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He just, you know, passed out and he was taken to the tomb and he woke up and, oh, all of a sudden he can move this giant, giant stone, take out all these guards and just walk away perfectly fine. Like, for one man to do that, that is crazy. But for Jesus, who was whipped and beaten and like all the things that he went through, for him to even walk or stand up, like that is a miracle itself. But for him to be able to roll away the stone and take out these guards and show himself to other people and to where they can recognize him, like that. That's something incredible. But another thing interesting is Luke doesn't stop at the Gospels. He moves on to Acts, where in Acts he talks about these amazing things as he continues to tell the story of Jesus through the life of the, lives of the apostles. And they're able to do all these amazing things through the Holy Spirit. Luke continues to write about these things and to continue the story that Jesus is still working today. It's an amazing thing to think about um, how he did all these things and he rose from the dead. (laughs) Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so I think that we can look at we can look at these evidences like if he were to die where would he be today like people didn't go to the wrong tomb if joseph was part of the sanhedrin he was well known he made this tomb for himself don't you think it'd be pretty obvious where it is cuz it's <laughs> he was a rich man who Everyone would have known. I mean, if there are four guards at least guarding this tomb at all times, you have to know where it is, right? It's just amazing to think about how all these different theories maybe could possibly just out of the blue be right, but no. (laughs) The chances of that are so low, lower than Jesus Christ rising from the dead. As Christian said earlier, there are accounts of miracles, and this is another one of those amazing miracles. The greatest one, the foundation of our faith, is Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And another thing that that I like to look at when I'm looking at this is that even in the Gospel of Matthew itself, we have evidence that it wasn't the disciples who were trying to cover this up. There was a cover-up going on, but it was not the disciples. It was the Roman guard and the governors who were trying to cover up what had happened. Um, Because after it talks about the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then 
the the guard that was guarding the tomb. So so we have first off we have evidence. Uh, the guard was standing in front of in front of the tomb when Jesus came out, and the the stone over the tomb was was rolled away. Um, and it says the fear. It says and and this is uh, Matthew chapter twenty eight verse four. And for fear of him, this is Jesus after the the resurrection. So uh, lightning, it says his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. And so the guards, they saw what happened and they believed that what they saw was Jesus, even to the point where in verse 11, uh, Matthew 28, the guard comes back to the city and starts telling the chief priests, the Jewish authorities, what had happened. He, He tells them about the resurrection and what he saw. And then in verse 12, um, Matthew 28, verse 12 and following, it says, And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And the story has spread among the Jews to this day. So Matthew is saying that there was a cover-up going on the, the Jewish side of things, that they saw the resurrection, they knew that it had happened, but they wanted to cover it up. They wanted, they paid the guards. The guards believed that what they had saw was Jesus risen from the dead. And the Jews paid the guards to go off and tell people a lie. So it wasn't the Jews, or it wasn't the followers of Christ that were covering this up. It wasn't the disciples. It was actually the Jews who were trying to cover up the fact that Jesus had resurrected because that showed that Jesus was who he had said he was the entire time, and it showed that they were wrong. So while the the Jews were keeping their own self-interest in mind, trying to maintain their reputation and make sure that they didn't lose street cred um, and authority over the people, the disciples were going out proclaiming what they had seen. And like Max said, they weren't in it for the money. They weren't in it for the fame because a lot of them gave up their lives to go preach Christ. Like they gave up their families and their jobs and everything that they had to go preach Christ. And Christ didn't call them to to preach living a great lifestyle. He said, go and and take, don't take extra clothes with you. Don't take food, you know, just go to towns. And whenever you reach those towns, just find food. Like God will provide for you. Go out in faith. So Jesus told them basically to, to, to give their, to, you know, not take material possessions with them and not be focused on the things of the world, but to have faith that God will provide through it all. So it's, Jesus did not call them to a wealthy, you know, high living lifestyle. He called them to humble themselves and to go out as servants and to live without the material possessions that many people want. And they did this. They went out and sacrificed their lives, uh, not only sacrificing their lives in death, but sacrificing the time that they did have alive, sacrificing time that they could have spent, you know, having fun and playing games and stuff. They went out and they gave up all those opportunities for fun and games to go out and preach what they knew to be true. And, this, if this testimony of the disciples giving what they had and, and being willing to lay down their lives for the truth of Jesus, if that testimony isn't convincing, then I don't know what is because it's not, it's not like a, a small cult because there are, there are cults all the time. Like there are cults today that believe that people have risen from the dead, like modern people who have risen from the dead. And they, they say that, they say that, but those people don't go out and give up their lives for the cause that they're they're pursuing and even if they do are willing to give up their lives because they're they're losing their minds and they're crazy or whatever people don't follow them in mass numbers like max mentioned the book of acts the book of acts takes place right after jesus's resurrection he's actually the the first chapter of acts talks about jesus's ascension into heaven so he's talking to his disciples and then he's taken up into heaven and he gives them the the command to go out and to share the gospels to judea samaria and to the ends of the earth and when he does this and they go out and start sharing the gospel. It says that, so that was Acts chapter one. In Acts chapter two, it says that the the church has grown to 3,000. So it grew from a couple hundred to 3,000, all in a matter of days or weeks. And then from there, all the disciples and apostles go out and share the gospel and grow the church. Um, Thousands and thousands of people are added every month to the church. So these people are all people who would have been living during the time of Jesus. And if, if they had been hearing what the disciples were saying in the apostles and they knew that it wasn't true, then they would be like, Oh, we're not following you. Like nobody's going to be crazy enough to believe you. But they, these people who had been alive during the time of Christ believed what the disciples and apostles were saying, because what they knew about Jesus, what they had seen Jesus and what they had heard about Jesus had all fell in line with what they had, what they had heard from the disciples and the apostles. So even when the disciples and the apostles went out and preached this gospel, even if they were, or 
We know that they weren't crazy men just just preaching something that they hallucinated about because thousands and thousands of people believed them. Whatever they were telling them and showing them must have been convincing about the resurrection of Jesus because so many people followed them. And at this point, it's getting to the point where thousands and thousands of people are all banking their lives on the resurrection of Christ within a few years, maybe even um, maybe even just some months of Jesus's resurrection. And because of how many people have done this and how many people are recorded as giving their lives to Christ um, during this short period of time, immediately following Jesus's death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, we, we're getting past the point where we could just say that they were all crazy. And all these crazy people just, just believe something that wasn't true. Because there's thousands and thousands of people who bore testimony to that within years of Jesus dying. And and if they had known that it never even happened, they would have been adamant to stop these Christians from preaching this lie. Right. And one thing that I want to point out in the book of Acts is when I believe it's when John and Peter are before the Sanhedrin, they talk about like, okay, what, what are we going to do with these two guys? And one of them says like, you know, if this is real, then there's no way you can stop this. But if this is fake, it's going to end. Um, and so that's another thing to point out is if it were fake, wouldn't have they just given up at some point? Like what was their goal going to be? Only it could continue to grow. And like Christian said, how rapidly it was continuing to grow Christianity. All that could only be done if it were true. Like these 12 men didn't just grow the church just by telling people, oh, this man rose from the dead and he's alive and yeah, you should follow us. No, they were able to do amazing things and share the gospel of Jesus Christ through it. They had the Holy Spirit on them. They were able to tell people about Jesus Christ through what they were able to do. So in this episode, we've we've looked at the evidence for Jesus's resurrection. We've looked at, well, we started off by looking at the evidence for his life, the evidence for his burial, the evidence for his, oh, my bad. We started off by looking at the evidence for his life, the evidence for his crucifixion, the evidence for his burial, and finally the evidence for his resurrection. And we, you know, we've only been here for, for just under an hour. So we didn't have all the time to go into every single piece of evidence and every single, because people have spent their entire lives looking into this. Scholars have have written numerous papers on the resurrection and the evidences for it and the evidences against it. Uh, so we don't have time to go in and do a comprehensive review, but we just, we wanted to offer you guys a, a in-depth look at the evidence that we have for Christ um, and just show you that these things that we as Christians bank our lives on are not at all light and, and, without evidence because i think a lot of christians don't understand how important the resurrection is because we as christians bank our entire lives on the resurrection of christ because if the resurrection of christ never happened uh then we aren't that all all that we believe is based on nothing and there are two passages in the bible that show us this the first passage is found in acts chapter 17 acts chapter 17 uh it says that God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. This is verse 31. And it says, by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all of us by raising him from the dead. So Acts 17, 31 says that God's, God himself is offering evidence to the fact that he's going to judge the world by the resurrection of Christ. So if Christ was never resurrected, then this evidence that God has claimed to give us for the fact that he'll judge the world never even existed. But on top of that, we go to 1 Corinthians 15, and in the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, in verse 19, it says, If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. And so he's saying, if, if the hope that we have for Christ dies when we all end, or we, ends when we all die, and it doesn't carry on with us to eternal life, because none of this is true, and Christ has never even been risen from the dead, Paul says that if Christ was never risen from the dead, then we of all people are most to be pitied because we have given our lives to something that never was true in the first place. So I think a lot of Christians get this backwards. And it's sad that a lot of churches have this have this, this underlying assumption that if you ask questions or if you doubt, then you don't belong in the church. And that is that that it could not be 
more false because God wants us to to look into the scriptures. Like we've mentioned on a couple previous podcasts that in Acts, the Bereans, the people from Berea are praised by, by uh, Luke for looking into the scriptures. And every time somebody told them something, they looked for evidence of it. They looked for evidence in the scriptures. They looked for evidence around them, um, natural evidence from God. And God has created the whole world. God is a natural God. So anything that he tells us is true will have some sort of some sort of um, evidence or attestation somewhere in creation and in his word. And we as Christians need to be looking into these things. If you hear something that you think is, uh, I'm not sure about that, or I, I, don't, I don't really believe that, then you look into it. You look into the evidence for it. You look into what God says about it and how we as Christians are called to believe it. And that's why we're here doing this, this series right now, Apologetics, because I think this is one of the most important parts of the Christian faith is having that exploration. Um, it has is, is really strengthened my faith to to a very strong degree whenever i have questions and i'm able to look into those to ask people about them to ask my trusted friends and my mentors about these questions that i have and we want you guys to give us your questions for this apologetic series we're going into this apologetic series we want to answer questions about the christian faith and if you guys have questions that you want answered that you haven't been able to find an answer for or maybe it's just something that you heard somebody tell you one time and you're not sure whether it's true or where it comes from we'd love to answer your questions so you guys can reach out to us on our emails uh, you can reach out to us at questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. That's our, our general email where all three of us will get it. Uh, or you can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram uh, at Living Victory Podcast because we want to answer your questions. We want to be here for you guys to help build your faith and to help show you that the, the God of the Bible and the Jesus that we worship is, is in fact true, that he is who he says he is, that all these things that he says happened in his word, that he... he um, attests to in his word that they were all true. And we have evidence of this, that we can look into the scriptures and and find these things, look into the world as well and find evidence for what God has told us has happened. So we we just love looking into these things, doing the research and, and finding amazing pieces of evidence for the things that God has told us. Even though things like the resurrection seem to the to the untrained ear, to the non-Christian ear, they seem like like ridiculous. They seem, you know, how could that happen? You you believe you're basing your entire life on the fact that some random guy ra- rose from the dead 2000 years ago. And the fact is that, yes, we are doing that because we know we have evidence from, from God. We've gone through the evidence here. It, evidence comes from non-Christian sources. Evidence comes from the gospels. Evidence comes from the way the disciples lived their lives as a result of what they believed and the way that people responded to that. We have so many amazing pieces of evidence for just the resurrection. And we can't wait to look into these things further with you guys in the future. So, um, this apologetic series, we I look forward to doing the rest of it, to, to answering more questions. Every question that you guys give us, we'll answer on the podcast. We'll, we'll make time to, to, to look at your questions and to answer them. We thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And right now we're trying to grow this podcast because we want to share the gospel of Christ. We want to give glory to God in everything that we do. And there's three really simple things that you can do to help us grow this podcast. They're really simple. They take only a couple minutes and they're free. So it really doesn't cost you anything, but it could really help us grow the show. The first one is to share the show with somebody. So this would be a great episode. This one and the last one were great episodes to share. Whether you have friends who who are Christians, but maybe they have doubts or questions about these things, the existence of God and the resurrection and the existence of Jesus, or whether you have a friend who's who you, you've been having apologetic conversations with, trying to show them evidence for these things, but they just haven't come to believe you yet, you can share this show with them and, and have them listen to the evidences that we have for the resurrection. Um, or if it's just a, a, a fellow believer that you want to encourage in their faith, you say, hey, I heard this great episode about evidences for the resurrection, uh, the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I want you to listen to it just to, to help, us, help us become even more firm in our faith. Um, and... These things, if you share the show with people that that you know will listen to it, or even people you think might not listen to it, it's worth a shot just giving it to them and sharing it with them. Um, because if you share the show, it gives us more listens and it gives us more interaction, and that can really help us help us share the show further and to 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 spread God's glory more. Um, you can also the second thing you can do is you can give us a rating and review on the iTunes Store. If you give us a rating and review on the iTunes Store, that those ratings and reviews really play a a big part in sharing. Um, or uh, raising us up the leaderboards, bringing us to the top. So when you when you go to the different sections, like the religion and spirituality section on the Apple iTunes store, the more ratings and reviews we have, the higher we show up on that list and the more people will come and listen to the show and hear the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the third thing you can do uh, is buy some of our merchandise. We actually released our merchandise last week. Uh, we partnered up with a great company on Instagram called Victorious Co. Um, Victorious Co. makes amazing clothing. They're an apparel company that that makes merchandise. And we worked with them. We partnered with them. We made an awesome t-shirt that has our logo on the front. And on the back, it says, Shine Your Light, um, inspired by Matthew 5.16. And really... When you, whenever you buy anything from Victorious Co., any of our merch, we get 10% of those proceeds. And the proceeds that we get from this merchandise are going to go, all 100% of them are going to go back into the show. We're going to use the, this these proceeds to advertise the show and to share, to share the show to try to get more eyes and ears listening to this so that we can spread the glory of the gospel even further and, and glorify God in all that we do. Now, we want you guys to know that we're doing this show for the glory of God. We do not, it's not for us. It's not for, for notoriety or anything. We as Christians are called to share the gospel, to go far and wide and to share with people the truth that, that is within us and the hope that we have within us. And that's what we're doing here in the show. We're trying to share with as many people as we can, the hope and the truth that we have within us. So we thank you so much for listening to this show. If you can do those three things, um, Actually, the first two, I, I said earlier that all three are free, but the first two are free. The last one costs some money. So even if you don't have any money and you can't buy anything, you can't buy merchandise or anything, you could still do those first two. You can still share the show and you can still give us a rating and review on iTunes to really help us grow the show. And those are two of the most effective things you can do to help us share the show. So we just thank you so much for being a part of this because this show would not be possible without you. We thank you so much. You are the most important person when it comes to the show. You, the listener. Because without listeners, we could not do this show. So we want to thank you so much for listening from the bottom of all of our hearts. We want to thank you for listening. Um, and we just, we want to continue this. We want to have this conversation with you. You guys can, as always, reach out to us on Instagram, on whatever. Reach out to us, have conversations with us, ask us questions, give us your objections, give us your, your comments, your critiques, whatever it is. We'd love to hear from you, whoever you are, wherever you may be. So thank you once again for listening to this show. And as always, love each other and shine your light.